the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. <laughs> Welcome back. Always a delight. Nothing like good in old friends. And I have two of them in studio as we do every third hour on Tuesday. That is Hugh and Lewis Hallman. Lewis Hallman is the managing director of Insight Analytics. They brought me placemats. Hugh Hallman is the former mayor of Tempe and attorney and educator in town and actually uh, in Europe as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it was last week I was lamenting – well, I wasn't lamenting. I was mentioning that I no longer get placemats. You were these. making fun of the placemats you used to get. What are these so dimensions? 11 by – what is this? It's 11, 11 by 17. 11 by 17 printouts that would require a degree of Harvey Mudd, not Claremont, to understand. Anyway uh, – Some of us spent time on the Mudd campus. Some of us did. Some of us some didn't. Some of us spent time on the Scripps campus. What do we need to know? We are going to start with the stock and trade, as always, on the easy stuff because, ladies and gentlemen, you are about to hear groundbreaking stuff heard no place else in this country, no other news source, that Lewis Holman has gone back and developed uh, some analytics that will finally and clearly rip the cover off the nonsense that has been the federal government's approach to COVID since Omicron descended. But let's start with the easy stuff. Hospitalizations, for example. We had, uh, as of yesterday, uh, the sad news that we still have 8% empty uh, inpatient beds and 7% empty ICU beds, almost identical to the average for the last number of number of months, not only a number of months, a couple of years. Interestingly, the worst day uh, for emptiness in our ICU beds was on December 17th. There were only 4% of our beds. So I had to go back and look and think, why is that? We talked about the fact that uh, the news loves to cover that our hospital employees, our nurses and doctors in hospitals, are exhausted by COVID. And that it is apparently only COVID that exhausts uh, healthcare workers, not heart attacks and other diseases. That the number of patients in beds only matters when it's uh, the number of COVID patients, not when it's the same number of patients regardless. And so looking back on December seven, uh, 17th, there were only 4% empty beds. And the stunning piece about that, it wasn't because there were more COVID patients. It was because there were more patients of plain vanilla varieties. That is to say, instead of, as it was uh, yesterday, 880 non-COVID patients, there were 1,008 non-COVID patients in our ICUs exhausting our healthcare workers. Oh, but wait, it didn't get a headline. Um, so that's one example of the kind of silliness we have. Cases. Um, our news still likes to report uh, the spikes in cases and then fails to report when it starts to fall off. So, for example, another radio station just last Wednesday reported that we were averaging uh, 20,000 cases for more than a week, uh, but didn't actually quite get the numbers right because the numbers were actually coming down uh, last week. The height of our cases in Arizona was January 10th with almost 26,000 cases that day. 
Keep in mind that many people are now taking at-home tests, and those at-home tests don't result in somebody phoning up the Arizona Department of Health Services and saying, Kara, Kara, I tested positive today at home. Please add that to your case rate. Or negative. Or negative, but more importantly, positive for reasons I'll explain in a minute, or Lewis will, in fact, because he's going to have some fun with it. Um, now, the case rate today, because there was a lag in getting the cases reported, was 13 you didn't see the news story breaking that there are only 13 cases reported today. Now, we expect that that will go up because there is a slight lag, a three, four-day lag in case reporting. But deaths, we've made fun of this before, and here's an example. The deaths that are reported on any given day. Um, today, there were 140 deaths reported. How many were actually occurred today? We don't know yet because when the data gets sorted out in a week or so, we'll see how many. But as an example... On December 12th, the Arizona Department of Health Services reported 213 deaths, but there were actually only 51 ultimately in that period. Uh, on January 17th, the, C the Arizona Department of Health Services reported 183 deaths, but as of today, there were actually only 48 deaths on that day. On January 18th, there were 176 deaths reported, but there are actually only 43 as the data got sorted out. And on January 24th, it was reported as zero. I made fun of that last week, that there were no headline news that we'd had no deaths that day. Uh, we did have the resurrection uh, Tuesday a few months ago in which we had negative deaths, but uh, we won't make fun of that. There were 21 deaths ultimately on January 24th that have shown up through death certificates. But why does that matter? That the state continues to report reported deaths today, which are all the death certificates that have been gathered up, that continue to get older and older as a trend. Why? Because as they gather death certificates, it's death certificates that now are determined to have been COVID-based deaths over the entire pandemic. So while on average, the reported deaths in any given period or on any given day really stretch back over the last 90 days or so, sometimes it stretches back even farther than that to the beginning of the pandemic. We've been at this since effectively February of 2020. This is now two years in. So now there's two years of period of time in which death certificates can be found and attributed to COVID and reported today. And so as the pandemic has gone longer, you get more of these lumpy days like this. And Lewis went back today in an extraordinary amount of work because the Arizona Department of Health Services won't report the data in a spreadsheet, won't supply it in any sensible way. You have to go to the website. And the Arizona Republic won't ask for it. And won't ask for it. So you drag your cursor every day yep. over their little scaled uh, uh, graphs and write down the numbers. Or Lewis's the only case, way to do it. I don't know Type them way. in. Yeah. And so Lewis created a spreadsheet today for you, Seth, to create a placemat that we're going to talk about now in terms of its most striking result and how the way the State Department of Health Services reports deaths on a given day is now being used by our federal government to build really stupid policy. Lou. That gets them off, right? I mean, that gets them off. And justifies their, their narrative position. Yes. Yeah. So – I think the let's let's start with kind of the headline of I this. I feel like I need to fix my sentence that gets them off into reporting wrong numbers. That's and what making I'm bad to say. policy yeah. decisions yeah. for all right. of us. Right. Okay. We'll Run, running cover for bad narratives. Right. Thank yes. You. Okay. So, if we were to look at the CDC's self-published data for the last 2 months, filtering for Arizona only, the CDC is reporting uh, 3,900 confirmed deaths with another 1,100 partial deaths, a total of 
4,993 deaths reported in Arizona over the past two months since December 1st, 2021. Your federal government is reporting 4,993 deaths have occurred in the state of Arizona over the last two months. Right. But... So if we look at the Arizona Department of Health Services' own data for the same time period, while it is true that AZDHS found about 5,000 death certificates over that period, if you actually look how they're allocated, only 3,200 or specifically 3,199 deaths actually occurred and are listed as having occurred from the 1st of December. Mm -hmm. That means that the CDC, in an era where Omicron has become the dominant strain, is attributing 1,800 deaths that happened prior to November when Delta was dominant and causing deaths to the period in which Omicron is prevalent. This is radically distorting their conclusions and their assessment. About the lethality of Omicron. So, for instance, if you were to look at the CDC's... By a huge percent. Absolutely. If you were to look at the CDC's raw data, you would conclude that since Omicron became prevalent around Christmas time in, in Arizona, that they have averaged 544 deaths per week. Mm-hmm. The Arizona Department of Health Services number, which clearly allocates them based on the day of, of death. Mm-hmm. Only after you work out you know, their failure to their reporting nonsense, you have to go back and look at the actual date, day, deaths on each date. Right. So if you do that, instead of the 544 uh, uh, weekly deaths reported by the CDC, you get 285. Mm-hmm. That's nearly half the rate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you look at Arizona Department of Health Services data, the case fatality rate, the number of deaths divided by the number of reported cases, is 0.3%. The CDC's assessment of the same data over the same time period, because they are including all of those excess deaths, is 0.5%. They believe that Omicron is 67% more deadly than the data indicates it is. That is deranging their policy response. Keeping in mind that the flu in bad flu seasons runs about 0.2. Lewis just told you that using the Arizona Department of Health Services data, Number of deaths that actually occurred in December and January divided by the number of cases actually in that period, the mortality rate is 0.3, 50% higher than flu, not 0.2, but 0.3. But we're going to come back after this break and talk about why that's even overstated. Perfect. We'll be right back. Hands folded, sit up straight. We're, talk, we're mass communicating here. We ain't one at a time and we're mass communicating. Charles Durning said that, that great actor in um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Do you, remember, do you remember that? He was the governor in the yep. best little you know what in yep. Texas. Yep. Yep. One of, while he was alive, one of the most decorated World War II vets while he was alive. I think a two-time POW escapee. I, I did not know that. You would not know this about a lot of these actors from that generation, right? Yeah, a lot of war heroes from, yeah. from that era. Ton, ton. Hugh Holman and Lewis Holman are my guests. Uh, Lewis just uh, blew the roof off the rainforests of what the federal government is using for data when it comes to analyzing Arizona and COVID. And let's also point out that Arizona ain't doing itself very many favors in the way it's communicating its data. 
But if I understand you right, Lewis, and feel free to fix whatever I'm about to say here. And he thinks he does. And I think I do. But if I understand you right, because of um, the inability to understand the way we're counting and the CDC is counting, federal numbers about Arizona are off by a factor of more than half. Well, let me let me extend this. There's nothing that leads me to believe that the federal response to data collection is any less ignorant okay. for California or New York or Illinois than than Arizona. I would presume that's true. So, so if, if this issue exists here with our state's data – then I believe that the cardinals and popes of science at the CDC are probably making a similar error elsewhere. Let me see if I can rephrase just the magnitude of this to be clear. So if we're talking about a discrepancy of 5,000 reported deaths by the CDC over the last two months versus 3,200 deaths reported by the Arizona Department of Health Services, it's about 1,800 deaths. I want to clarify things real quick. Pardon? They report them on a daily basis inaccurately. And the CDC takes that inaccurate data and builds a database. Then the Arizona Department Arizona of Health Services that, right. takes all the death certificates collected that day and, quote, reported those deaths and then figures out which day those people actually died right. and then puts those death certificates, matches them with the date. And then we get a table that Lewis has to build the himself. CDC doesn't do right. The CDC right. doesn't right. bother. This, it does what the other radio station did and radio stations around this state and the country. And the New and York Times and, and everybody the Atlantic. Else. Right. Yep. That era, This was last Wednesday's news story, and after 275 new deaths were reported Wednesday, right. those 275 deaths that were reported Wednesday were for the entire two-year period beforehand spread over that two-year period because the actual number of deaths last Wednesday was eight. Right. Right. Most of those deaths. That. Correct. Most of those deaths typically have between a two and a 12-week lag, okay. typically. Okay. So, again, now – Larger point being, if I'm just getting this this constellation right, the CDC is reporting data that is off by at least 50 percent when it comes to analyzing what the states are going Well, through. in the short term. So this is yeah, right. Lewis's main point about why Omicron should be treated differently and is not. Right. So, so because we're having this distortion, if you were to total up all of the deaths that the CDC reported since the start of the pandemic and all of the deaths AZDHS reported since the start of the pandemic, they have the same number of total deaths reported. The issue is in the shape of the data. Because the CDC is taking the instance of we found new death certificates on this day and reporting the deaths as if they had occurred on that day, right? The day that we found the certificates, not the dates on the certificates. Right. Right? Because they are distorting the shape of that data, when we have changes in the underlying fundamental, as we do when we get a new variant going from Delta, which is about seven times more lethal on a case-by-case -case basis than Omicron, according to AZDHS's data, that then radically paints a different picture. And so because of this, uh, the, the CDC has concluded that Omicron is in fact – 66% more lethal than it appears to be. <laughs> and it actually is right. under the, using the Arizona data. But if, if I may, though, if, if we found this delta of 1,800 deaths over a two-month period just in Arizona, well, Arizona is very nearly one-fiftieth of the population of the country, conveniently. It's not quite. It's a little less than that. But if you then aggregate that up for the entire country – we're talking about somewhere on the order of eighty to 90,000 deaths nationwide being reported as if they are Omicron deaths when in fact they were Delta deaths, which means 
that the prior condition was radically more dangerous than the current condition and to the extent things are getting better, we would like our freedoms back. But the state is suppressing this information. It is not admitting that things are improving because it is desperate to retain the panic and fear that its narrative has produced. It is unwilling to give up the emergency powers it has sequestered for itself. These popes and cardinals of science who cannot even update a database accurately are unwilling and unable to give back the enormous amount of power that they have seized for themselves. Let me – I don't know that I agree with the reasoning. That is to say the reason why it is. I think it's incompetence. I try not to establish uh, evil where incompetence is enough and the challenge we have is this level of incompetence. I don't know. If, with, if you claim to be the sole source of truth, the sole epistemological have a moral guide to science and reason, then your ignorance is malice. I, I will give you that, Lewis, but you're, you're attributing to these people the thoughtfulness that they are doing this intentionally. And it's worse that they're doing it unintentionally because we are now being managed by morons when we should instead be making better policy decisions. It's not, it's not that we're now being managed by morons. <laughs> we, it's more clear that we're being managed <laughs> by morons. That's exactly the point. And the reason this is so important today is this is the best example we've got. We had one a year and a half ago when Kara Christ tweeted out that they'd mismanaged the data and hid that they'd mismanaged the data for the state of Arizona. Lewis is pointing out the clearest bell we've got that the federal government has overseen stated the lethality of Omicron, the uh, the risks associated with it, and when you've got a mortality rate now in the state of Arizona of 0.3, that is taking their deaths, which are rarely underreported, we get the number of deaths pretty close to right, footnote, we're still attributing all deaths to COVID, mm -hmm. even if it's somebody who died in an automobile accident with COVID, mm -hmm. right? That's the challenge we face. Still also using a 60-day standard for COVID death reporting, which is double what the rest of the uh, developed world uses and, in, and gets you about twice as many deaths attributed to COVID as a 28-day standard does. So just on those two points alone, the mortality rate is significantly overstated. Now add the fact that we have a lot of home health kits being used, so we're not getting the full cases reported. So the denominator of this calculation is deflated. So you have deaths are obviously very carefully reported. That's why we have this process of going through old death certificates to see if we can't attribute another death to COVID and then piling them up on the day when the guy came back from vacation and said, uh, Wednesday of last week, I found 275 death certificates that should be COVID. When only eight of those deaths occurred last Wednesday, they reported 275. That's the level of idiocy. And it is now this data that Lewis has so carefully uh, put together that demonstrates so clearly how badly the federal government is managing this process. I want to ask you about the uh, – well, we'll take some calls. We have a few and there's room for more if people want at 602-508-0960. But I want to ask you too – about the policies and the match or mismatch to the data based on what your perception is. There's probably no polling on this. Your perception, both of you gentlemen, how learned the American population is about COVID, whether they agree with us or whether they agree with Anthony Fauci, how, how well learned they are on some of these things. Because I think – I'll just put it to you squarely to think about – what percentage of the country now knows the nonsense about vaccines that 
Joe Biden said is not true and is still basing policies on. Let's talk about that when we come back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. We'll come to my convoluted question in a moment, and I'll clarify it. But first, let's go to the callers. Paul's in Phoenix. Hi, Paul. You're on with me and the Hallmans. Hi, Seth. I have a question for the Hallmans. Yeah. I hear frequently from my friends that uh, get their, most of their news from CNN and MSNBC that virtually all of the patients that are in the hospital are unvaccinated. And try as I might to try to suss whether that's true or not out from the data, I can't find it. Right. Uh, right. right. Let me say what I want to say to that, and then I'll let the Holmans say it better and smarter and more completely. Uh, this has been uh, this has been an issue of, of mine for, for months now. So what we're talking about effectively is breakthrough hospitalizations and breakthrough deaths. That is to say people who get sick and need to go to the hospital or die from or with COVID, though they were vaccinated fully. And the CDC used to report this. They were reporting these numbers up until November and after October, October, up until October, when they were reaching about in raw numbers, about 20,000 breakthrough deaths. This was early on. Breakthrough started in June, July, uh, June, July. And uh, the CDC started reporting hospitalization and deaths for people who had been vaccinated and pulled the entire data set right. off the site in, mid- in mid-October. in mid Right, because the numbers were becoming too uh, large. The numbers were too high for Americans to, to, to appreciate the importance of a vaccine because people were getting vaccinated and, lo and behold, still going to the hospital and still dying. Now, having said that, so the CDC just stopped reporting it because the number was uncomfortable to them. You did hear from the administration that what Paul said, that the highest percentage and they throw around all these numbers. A few states, though, do report it clearly. Turns out Vermont happens to be one of them. And Maine. And Massachusetts. For some reason, those northeastern states are a little made of stronger stuff, I suppose, in at least allowing us to know what's what. Well, they really and, do like their bureaucracy. The more reporting and bureaucracy that they it. can fold in, the maybe better Maybe that's are. it. But on almost any given week, uh, I haven't looked in two weeks, but up until about two weeks ago, in almost any given week, you would see in places like Massachusetts and Vermont, by the way, places with very heavy mitigation efforts, about 50 percent of their hospitalizations were breakthrough hospitalizations. That's correct. And what's what's obvious or should be obvious, like with the death certificates, when the Arizona DHS reports a whole bunch of new deaths today and most of them are old, the longer the, this goes on and the more people are vaccinated – the larger the percentage of the people who end up hospitalized and dying will have been vaccinated. Right. Well, we, and we the, also know that, that vaccines wear off over time. And so the longer the time horizon go, the more time for this to wear off. Yeah. And so the, the best study done on breakthrough cases was done in Israel last July, released last July, making it clear that breakthrough cases happen and happen frequently as the vaccine date gets farther and farther away. So by the time you reach six months under the vaccine's that have been available during this pandemic, uh, by six months, the vaccines on average are about 34% efficacious. That means that the booster program got kicked off in Israel, saying you got to have a booster. The U.S. was about three months behind in deciding to launch the booster program, in part because of the left pressure of the unfairness that the United States could vaccinate its population and start a booster program when so many people in the world could not even get vaccinated in the first place. You think I'm kidding? Go look at the World Health Organization papers from that time beating up the United States and especially Israel for that 
program. The CDC actually still does have a section on its data uh, about vaccine equity, right? Which is fabulous because this, none, none of this was an equity problem, right. right? The vaccines have to be refrigerated, frozen, right? And in Nigeria or in the Congo. They don't really have very many refrigerators. We had to build up a huge logistical infrastructure to be able to vaccinate the rest of the world. Vaccine equity had nothing to do with it. That we solved this logistical problem as a species in about 18 months is nothing short of miraculous. There's this weird dance. So to make sure Paul understood, so the, the, the likelihood of somebody, here's the real point for Arizona. A very high proportion, I think the number is now in the 90s, percent of our elderly, yeah. 65 and over, have been vaccinated. Right. Fully. But that means people who are dying in that age group, and the state reports a lot of them, the high percentage of them were vaccinated That's right. by definition. And so it's not likely that the 2% that were not vaccinated are all the ones going to the hospital and dying. The reality still remains. Age is still a huge comorbidity with respect to hospitalization and death, and those people are almost all vaccinated. Let me give Paul something to hang his hat on. There's this weird pavane going on between the Arizona Republic and the Department of Health Services where every Sunday when the Arizona Republic reports on COVID in Arizona, they say, and now the AZ Department of Health Services is reporting breakthrough cases. Not really, not so much. It's lagging. Their latest numbers are from November. And to give you a specific, Paul, According to Arizona Department of Health Services, it's not two, three, four, five percent deaths being breakthrough. It's 16 and has been as high as 18 percent. As of November. Yeah, as of November. Not exactly continuous updation, updating, is it? We'll be right back. To the Seth Leibson Show, coming to you live from the Guns Etc. Studios with the Hallmans. I want to. Do we want to take the next call, or did you have to clean up on aisle six from me, or are we good? Oh, I think I'm happy to take another call. All right, Benjamin in Phoenix. Hello, Benjamin. Hello. Um, I, I cut. I just started in the middle of your show, so if I missed this, I apologize. That's okay. But, uh, Repetition is the essence of pedagogy. Okay. So uh, a couple. of points um right when i turned on the show you were they were mentioning uh they're talking about the difference between omicron and delta or, or you know so my question for that is i've heard during the fall i heard that uh the pcr test which correct me if i'm wrong is the main test that were in use as far as detecting who had covid or didn't have covid and i i'd heard that at the end of the year they were discontinuing the pcr test because of a credible amount of, uh, it was a high amount of false positives or vice versa that they couldn't tell. That's what I had heard. So so if that's true, and also with that, my question is, if that's true, how, if the test is not is faulty, then how do you determine if there's a difference between Omicron and Delta? And we say it like it's fact, oh, that's Omicron, that's Delta. Well, but- you're on to a good point, and it actually I don't think has much to do with the PCR test. It has to do with sequencing, and Lewis can talk about that or but here. dad will first so uh, benjamin uh think of it this way uh to the extent that the tests have been faultier earlier on and have been getting better um what that would tell us is with false positives that you are actually understating um the mortality rate be, uh, because the deaths against the total number of cases would be smaller as a relative proportion 
And so, in fact, that would tell you that the uh, earlier variants were more lethal than they were reported as being. That said, we often talk here about the fact that both the number of cases reported is faulty because it's underreporting. Lots of people who have had COVID uh, don't get tested. That is, they were positive for SARS-CoV-2, the virus, but never got tested, number one, because they didn't have any symptoms. So if you don't have symptoms, you don't run and get a test. Uh, and secondly, lots of people didn't bother getting tested, especially early on. So generally, the mortality rate was understated or excuse me, overstated as a result of having too low a denominator in the number of cases. That said, it is pretty clear from the data uh, that uh, even with the underreporting of cases now, because so many people are testing at home and not calling the Arizona Department of Health Services with their positive test result, uh, you you have a much more mild uh, uh, variant. And Lewis has an explanation, I think, that really needs to be understood. And you ought to say yet again about why that is likely as a as a biological process. Yeah, I, I, I do want to get to that. There is one other point, though, that, that Benjamin, I, I think, made. So even if there was a, a big difference with the number of false positives that we were seeing, the difficulty there is that if you look at sort of the weekly number of Delta cases on or before December 25th, we're talking about 22,000 cases per week versus about 96,000 for Omicron, about a 340% increase. So the false positive rate would have to be truly enormous to have caused that level of change. I, I, it's not likely to me that that is a, a driver. So while there may be something true about that, that the false positive rate has increased, false positives are not a high number of all diagnoses to begin with. It would have had to have increased like 10,000-fold for that to explain the difference in Delta and Omicron that we've been seeing. So, um, Let me make sure we got it. Yeah, good. So, Benjamin, did you have a – did I interrupt you? Benjamin, did that answer some of your question? Uh, yeah, can I just follow up with one other quick sure. question? Yeah. So it's just um, in general – I mean I heard a study uh, – I saw from a – famous minister, John MacArthur, the other day, I guess he brought it up, but then I looked on the internet and I saw that, I don't know what, the, I think it's OS something, it's one of the national, it's England's health department or something of that nature. National Health Service of the UK? Yeah, but it wasn't that, it was, okay. it was something from England, I looked okay. at Honda and I don't have it with me right now, okay. but <clears throat> but here stays all the time, but it was saying that the children are, their, their recent studies, is from England, it was from their one of their major uh, departmental study areas, it's saying that Children are 50 because of the push now to get the children vaccinated, the small children. So they're saying that children are, can be, they're showing their stats that children are 52 times more likely the un, uh, that are vaccinated of dying recently than the ones that aren't vaccinated. And that's, I'm just saying that we hear all these stats on both sides. And so that brings me to my, my last point is so we hear these stats, you know, um, when they say, or, or you have like Rachel Walensky from the CDC in the summer, she'll be on video along with Joe Biden saying that. And you literally, they'll say the word, the sense is that you can't, we know that you cannot um, catch uh, COVID or spread COVID if you're vaccinated. And then a couple months later, they, they right, have to right, change that, right. you know. So so with all these things like that. That's why we're that, here, Benjamin. Yep. We're here to try to sort out the numbers and the kind of research that Lewis and I do is to provide you the data and understand the real numbers and where the errors are occurring in the analysis and in the in the data itself between the state and the CDC and across the country and across the world, frankly, in mucking it up. Right. So and I, I think there was one point that you wanted me to make sure I repeat um, just that 
the, one of the big drivers of, of the pandemic and of our analysis and in most of the sensible people who've been analyzing it is the understanding that SARS-CoV-2 COVID is subject to regular biological and evolutionary pressure just like any other new pandemic, new disease would be. And that if – as we go through time, as time goes on, we would expect two things to happen. We would expect first that the virus will become less lethal to humans because as any any virus samples that kill their hosts are less likely to propagate in the future. The other thing that we would expect is that the virus will become more virulent. That is, it will spread more easily because the easier those, – those viruses more easy to spread – Spread more. It's almost tautological. So, for example, use use the Spanish flu as an example. The difference in age between the uh, deaths in 1918 from the Spanish flu and currently. Sure. So, you know, the Spanish flu killed about 650,000 Americans whose median age was 28 years old, half of them older than that, half of them younger than that. With COVID-19, the median age of death is about 75 to 78 years old. Uh, and as a population, it has killed about 36 to 40 percent the number that the Spanish flu did. Yeah. So it kills much older and it kills much fewer people as a proportion of the total population. We'll be right back. Thank you for spending some of your afternoon with us. Uh, Lewis, again, tremendous work today, Hugh. Thank you very much uh, as well. Uh you want to summarize what we uh, broke today? Here? Absolutely. Okay. So first, Seth, I'd like to thank you for giving us the opportunity to do this every Tuesday. We've done maybe 80 of these shows since the pandemic began. And, you know, most of the ability I have to find this data and, and make it interesting would not be worthwhile or helpful to people were it not for you graciously extending the invitation to us. So thank you again. I just turned the light on, man. You filled the room. <laughs> the, the biggest piece I think that we found today is that it comes back to this – issue of attributing deaths when the death certificates were found versus what the date on the death certificate says. The CDC has been indicating to us that our our lords of science who would restrict our freedoms based on what their interpretation of the truth is are so intellectually and morally bankrupt that they are unable to properly edit and update a simple database, and yet they demand the ability to make sweeping policy decisions that affect all of us. Looking at the last two months of data, the CDC is claiming that 5,000 deaths occurred in Arizona. The true number per Arizona Department of Health Services is 3,200. This is a 56 percent overstatement. This is why the country is still being held in the grips of panic, despite the fact that Omicron is not the same disease that Delta or Alpha were. We can see, using our own data from our own state health agency, that the case fatality rate over the last two months was 2.1% for Delta. It is 0.3% for Omicron. We are not now living in the same world we were living in two years ago. The overreach and performative allyship that they demanded was excusable back at the start of the pandemic when none of us knew what was going on and all of us had very good reason to fear. But that time has passed and we have new numbers. These overreaches, these injustices cannot continue to be to stand. We are going to see a vengeance at the ballot box come November, I expect. 
I hope you're right. God bless you both. Godspeed to you both until next week. And until tomorrow, God bless you all. Class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 